What's up, everybody? My name is Lee. Some of you guys might know me as Intuition, and you are tuned in to Kinda Neat. Thank you for tuning in. As always, we're back still, and this week, have an amazing guest. His name is Loji. I really enjoyed talking with this guy. After we turned off the mics, I just spent an additional, like, probably hour just bullshitting with him about rap shit. It was very enjoyable. He's part of a a scene, I guess, that very much reminds me of the underground scene that I spent my formative years being a part of or being around. Their scene is very cool. I felt like ours was as well, and it was it's just very creative. And so I'm spending a lot of my bookings trying to kind of dissect this little galaxy of rappers that all seem to be interconnected that I really enjoy, and he's one of them. So I talked last time about some heavy shit. (laughs) And so this time I'll keep it a little lighter. I talked previously on the show about getting engaged, I think. And since we've last spoke, I am also married now, which is crazy. I don't think uh, a lot of you probably wouldn't have foreseen that coming with how I was living for so long. But yeah, your boy is married. And let me tell you, my wife, Mia and I, We really did the most to, like, avoid... We wanted to get married without, like, having a fucking wedding, essentially. We both had different reasons for that. Me, being I'm a fucking tightwad, and I didn't want to go $30,000 in debt or whatever the average wedding cost is now, just to throw a bunch of people that... Half of the, when you have a big ass wedding, I feel like half the people that you have to invite, you either either don't know or don't enjoy their company. It's just that like they're family friends and type shit. And so, yeah, we wanted to avoid that. And I wanted to avoid spending all that money. But then also Mia is like ultimately pretty shy. I don't want to say antisocial, but some people might say that we enjoy spending our time together and often our time together it's pretty insular we like kicking it at the house not doing shit i don't know we don't drink and we no longer party so it's like you know we go out to dinners with with a small group of friends maybe like that's like a big night for us and so she also doesn't like being you know like public speaking type shit and so she wouldn't want to be in front of she didn't want everybody like watching us get married like initially she was like i don't even want i just want to elope and i was like look i can't elope honeydew you want to get married yes but we can't elope no i was like we can't elope because my mom will be fucking pissed and even the fact that like one of my friends was going to officiate the wedding like she would be jealous of that like oh your friend gets to see you get married but i don't and so then it's like well my dad had already died and so it's like If we invite my mom, then Mia's parents would want to come. But if Mia's parents come, it's like the two of them. So then my mom would want to bring my grandmother. But then now it's like, well, your grandmother's here. And then Mia's parents might be like, oh, why can't our grandparents? And then it's like all of a sudden we're having a fucking wedding. So I said, look, I said, fine. We can't elope, but we'll just have our parents there, have the homie Dom there. He, He can shoot it and also like be a witness and whatever. And so we just did something really small. We just went up to Santa Barbara. We were going to, we were like, oh, let's get married in a courthouse. 
you know, but we also wanted to get married on a Saturday. It was June 1st. It was my dad's birthday. So we got married on my dad's birthday, but we didn't realize like, oh yeah, if you want to get married in, in a courthouse, you have to do it on a weekday. So really we just had to have my homie officiate and we did it at the courthouse for no reason other than that. Like we were in Santa Barbara and didn't know where else to do it or what, you know, you can kind of do it wherever the fuck you want. You can really just have a wedding on a street corner as long as you have somebody that like paid their $30 on the internet to become a minister or whatever which I also later had to do because I officiated my cousin's wedding. And so, yeah, we went to Santa Barbara, got married. We didn't even think of little things like needing a bouquet of flowers. Like, I was like, oh, we're getting wedding photos taken. Like, you need a bouquet. And she's like, do I? Like, yes, you do. So she was at work one day and I like called around. It was like two days before you're supposed to leave. And I'm calling around trying to find a wedding florist that could turn something around super quick. And I found some gal down in the arts district that did a great job and actually delivered it to the house. And it was a very beautiful bouquet. Shout out. I wish I could remember the business name, but (laughs) it's 2020 baby. No free pub, no free pub. Anyhow, yeah, so we got this beautiful bouquet of flowers. We go up and stay in this bed and breakfast in Santa Barbara that I actually used to live next door to. When I lived in Santa Barbara when I was going to school and then stayed there fucking around a couple years afterwards, like, I I lived um, on bath street downtown and i lived next to this place called the white jasmine inn and i was always like oh that would be a really nice place to like take a girl to and i remembered it being close but i didn't realize that it was like literally next door to where i used to live and so uh anyway yeah that was cool it was like this really old craftsman house that had you know it was like every room had kind of like different little theme or whatever and so we stayed there went and did wedding photos one night they came out really cool and then the next day yeah we just kind of woke up and got dressed again and went over to the courthouse and my homie pete officiated our wedding he did a really good job his wife now it was his fiance at the time but now it's his wife was like sending us videos of him practicing in the shower like he took it very seriously it was it was absolutely adorable and yeah he did a great job made us laugh made us cry and ended up legally married fantastic and then we went had this nice meal Whatever. And so we wanted to do something to like kind of celebrate afterwards. So rather than doing like an official wedding, like I just said, like we did the the ceremony thing like that. A couple weeks later, I think like we got married on the first and I guess like the a couple weeks later, maybe the 20 something if the June 20 something if we had a little dinner at a place down the street from our house. Because we were going to do a big fancy one. We had this number 60 people on our head. We're like, okay, 60 people. That's fine. We can make that work. 60 people. And we kept it like right to 60 and actually had some room left over even for some like newer local friends. Shout out to the dog park click that like some some people that I met just from having a dog uh, came through. Yeah, this is a little Italian restaurant in Eagle Rock that we went to and they did it for mad cheap. And so I got out when all said and done. I got out pretty much debt-free. I think I – even trying to do something this small where it was just like a dinner that we paid for and like a dinner that I paid for in Santa Barbara and a hotel and whatever. I had to buy a suit. She had to buy a dress. I think I got out. It was still like almost ten grand, like at least for everything. And that seems ridiculously expensive to me, but that was far below the average that people spend. And most people would look at me and say I'm a fucking total tightwad, cheapo, and they would be right. We both look at it as like, look, we're trying to save for a fucking house. We don't care about a party, a bunch of fucking family friends that we don't ever see getting drunk on our dime. Fuck that. 
save that money, put it towards a legacy by buying a house. You know what I'm saying? So anyway, that was our wedding. But the dinner was cool. You know, it's just this little spot that's like good enough. It's nothing to write home about. We were thinking about doing it someplace fancy, and all the fancy places would have ended up being like, you know, over 10 grand in and of themselves. This place, I mean, I made out like gangbusters. It was family style food where food just kind of kept coming out. It was something, it was their whole menu. They would just bring it out in waves. It was all delightful. But then beyond that, it was open beer and wine, which is fantastic. So everybody could get drunk still. But it was only like, I want to say like, maybe 65 bucks a head, which to me seemed very reasonable compared to some of the other places that I had shopped around at. So yeah, everybody after you get married tells you like, or they all ask you like, oh, what's it like now that you're married? How's married life? How's married life? What's what? Anything changed? What's it like? The answer is fucking nothing. We had already been living together for like, you know, essentially almost since we met, like it's not since we met, we met 10 years ago, but like since we got together, it wasn't very long before we were like, okay, let's team up and move in together someplace. And you guys remember that if you've been listening. And so, yeah, after the day after we were married, it still felt like it felt like the day before because we already felt married. We already knew like once we started that it was like, OK, this is this is it. We're in it. We're 100 percent for each other. So let's do this. And thankfully, I think, you know, I, I've talked to a lot of couples who do spend a lot of time kind of like planning their wedding and want it to be the perfect day. And, you know, they'll spend a year, year and a half, like just planning the wedding, you know, and making so many choices. And like, well, I didn't even we didn't have to think about color arrangements or fucking flowers or table settings or I didn't hire a DJ. We just put on Spotify like it was fucking chill, you know. And so and we showed up hella late. We were like an hour late. Everybody was there. I don't know. My point is, is that people spend so much time thinking about their wedding that after a while it becomes it, it becomes this only goal that them and their partner are working towards. You know, it's like okay, well, we've been planning our wedding and this kind of defines us for this last year. And then once the wedding is done, it's like afterwards, there's this anticlimacticism, anti, it's like anticlimactic, you know? And it's like, okay, well, what now? Now what are we working towards? Fuck, for the last two years, we've just been planning this wedding. Like, do we even know each other anymore? And thankfully, there was none of that. It was basically like, okay, we had a dinner and then the next day it was like, okay, we're back back to normal and i wouldn't have had it any other way and so yeah i guess i'm not like a a grand romantic in that sense or just not a party planner in general i'm not much of a people i'm a people person in a small environment i love doing this and talking to people one-on-one i don't like going to a dinner party don't like having to talk to a bunch of people or having a ton of small talk it's just it sucks. And I also don't like paying for everybody. So I'm glad that we like got away with doing what we did and it was fine. And anyway, yeah, marriage has been easy, man. My wife is a very easy wife to be around and I quite enjoy her. Anyway, I didn't know how to end this. Okay, so we're going to get into the podcast today with um, my dude Loji, right? And like I was telling you at the top of this... Loji's part of this scene of rappers that you're going to be seeing me talk to a lot of. I talked to some of them on the other podcast I was doing, dudes like Pink Sifu, dudes like Maxo. I've got other ones that I don't want to spoil that I've got coming up on the show, but it's it's kind of these... It's I don't want to say abstract rap because it's not abstract, but 
it's very it's loosely structured it feels free it feels open for interpretation it feels warm if that makes sense it's like warm rap music great loop selection good beats man i just love this whole i just love this whole kind of realm that these dudes are in and so anyway had loji on the show and you guys are gonna hear he's just a good dude and go check out on youtube.com slash kind of neat the song that he performed so without further ado after this little break we're gonna get into my conversation with loji Let me ask you a question on the new record is Lo and Behold, right? That's the name, that's the title of the album. Lo and Behold. Lo and Behold. Between the first and second song, is that a little Ryan Coogler clip? Oh, after the track one. Yeah. That was Nipsey. That's Nipsey? Yeah. I thought it was Ryan Talking Coogler. Talking about patience. Yeah, that's Nipsey. And and never giving up. Okay, okay. Yeah, it's like I'm, the I was only trying difference to play... is I never quit. Okay, yeah. yeah that's, I that's, was trying to place the name. voice and I'm like, why do I know this voice? I thought it was <laughs> Ryan Coogler, the fucking Black Panther director. Nah, it's this uh it's Nipsey. Um from this one yeah. radio interview he did. And and you shout out Nip on the record. Did, Facts. Did his passing affect you pretty heavy or what? Definitely. Yeah. That was like one of my favorite rappers. Also really? a big influence on me just as far as like independent hustling and hip hop goes since I was a teenager. Really? Yeah. Um, I got put on to him when I was about 19. And like, so that was like 11 years ago. Um and it was because one of my uh, closest friends shot the cover for Bullets Ain't Got No Name, Volume 3. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and she was, like, involved with one of his team members at the time, like, maybe manager or something like that. And uh, she was just telling me, like, yo, you got to check this cat Nipsey out. Because mm-hmm. she just know what type of shit I fuck with. And mm-hmm. she was like, yo, peep. And she was showing me, like, yo, peep this cover I just shot. So. Mm-hmm. I peeped it, and then I, I started uh, digging into that tape. And then from there, I was just like, yo, this is what I've been looking for out the West, this type of stuff. You said 11 years ago? like So, like, late, like, 08, 09 type shit? Yeah, it was like... I 09. remember that, it like, being in L.A. out here, and Nipsey's name, just like... It as was soon the, as he came it out... It was the All My Life freestyle that really yeah. got me stuck. Like, he spit over that All My Life. Yeah. John from uh, J-Rock, and... That verse was just so crazy to me. Like I, I know that whole verse by heart still to this day. That's tight. <laughs> yeah. That's tight. His death seemed very surreal. There's been a lot of surreal deaths in LA. Mm-hmm. Like that just is like, how could this be happening? Where did the timeline get fucked up? I don't I understand. mean, I don't think nobody expected Kobe to be just Yeah, Kobe is obviously gone. crazy. Man, yeah, that was Philly Bull too. Th- that was out. two two weeks ago from today that we're recording an episode. And I was actually recording an episode with another dude from Philly, coincidentally. Uh and then we got done recording the podcast and came in and Ben that you just met showed us the fucking the TNZ report and it was like the fucking air got sucked out of the room. We were like, What? Oh fuck. Yeah, yeah. I saw a friend posted on uh on the gram and I was just like, that man, this is fake. Like <laughs> it just seemed like fake news. You don't you don't expect certain people to go out so quick. For real, man. Especially like certain NBA players like, you know, Magic Johnson's still alive, and he got diagnosed with HIV back in the 80s when that shit was like a death sentence. You know what I'm saying? Right. And it's like, you see Kareem Abdul-Jabbar still out here, MJ still out here. A lot of the elder statesmen of, like, the basketball NBA. are still around. Right. So, 
you just kind of expected Kobe to be part of that class. And right. Then, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Just snap, just out of here. Yeah, that shit is real crazy. Bless, bless up, man. Bless up him and his daughter, the spirits. So you've lived back and forth between and everybody LA. else on the helicopter too. Yeah, that's shit. right too. Yeah. Bless up, all the families affected and involved. You know, terrible tragedy. Yeah, you spent time out in LA. Yeah, after you'd found out about Nipsey or before or when? No, this is my first time back in LA since I since, since you lived here. Yep. Yeah. Since since Nip passed, since uh, the good homie Ross G passed. Yeah. And uh, yeah, since Kobe just <laughs> Kobe just went out like. When was that? Like two weeks ago. Two weeks ago. Yeah, man. straight up. And that shook. Yeah, that shook everybody. That yeah. shook me for sure. For real. Were you born in Philly? Uh, I was born in Jersey. In Jersey. Yeah. Yeah. I grew up between Jersey, Philly, and also spent some time in uh, New York too. In New York, you just got family kind of spread out through the East Coast. Um, yeah, actually, yeah. but uh, mostly I was just my mom's real nomadic. Yeah. Um, and she was just moving around. I was moving around a lot with her, like. From job to job and all that. Brothers and sisters? Nah. No, your only child? Yeah. Yeah, right. And so... Lost child. The lost child. <laughs> um, what was mom doing being nomadic? Social work. Oh, okay. Yeah. What is the life of a social worker like? What kind of social work is she doing? Um, She's done a lot yeah. in the realm of social work, but, you know... That's kind of a thankless job, huh? Like you, I was about you, to say, I'm like, it's mostly you, you dedicating all your life energy and life force into trying to help other people's lives become better and then just not really getting paid. Right. It's like you do all of all. this good for humanity and it's like thankless. You don't, it's not like a, as lucrative as it should be. It's not lucrative at all. It should be probably one of the most lucrative you know what I'm saying? jobs out there. Yeah, you she know? she's probably spent her whole life concentrating they on trying playing. to get other people money that needed it. Yeah, because dudes just playing baseball on the field get millions of dollars, and she's like actually trying. She been she been putting in over twenty years trying to make <laughs> people's yeah. lives and society better, and right. you know she's still working to this day. So yeah, you close with your mom? Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, that's good. I'm I'm close with uh, both my parents in a way. Yeah, but you know, did you were you back stuff. and forth between them as a kid? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What did Pops do? Uh, he was an artist. Oh, uh, really? Yeah, photographer. Cool. Um, that was like the main thing, bringing in bread. So uh, a lot of my time in Philly was like me kicking in with him while he was just running photo shoots out of his studio he had set up in his living room. That's tight. What was he shooting? People's headshots. Yeah. People's project covers for like whatever albums they was working on. Uh editorials he would go out shoot things and then you know submit to the papers yeah you know, so he it's just hustling photography yeah he worked for some papers hey, yeah, has like, he photographed you oh yeah a ton probably yeah huh? i got mad that's that's probably why so many uh i mean he shot the cover for lo and behold oh d- oh yeah that's a picture he that, took of me as a kid as a kid yeah 10 years old that's dope so he's probably got just a film archive of you from a kid. He's got film archive of everything. everything. <laughs> yeah. That's dope. So do you think some of that creativity kind of got is that is that where your street comes from? Um yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah, for sure. Were you um, a visual artist too? Yeah, I love uh photography. I grew up doing that. Um obviously. And yeah. then, um video. I got real into video um as a teenager. Uh I still do that. And um, I do uh, 
mixed media like painting and collage. I say, you know, yeah, I, yeah, I do a lot of stuff. Keep the hands busy. Yeah. What's it like growing up in Philly? I mean, I'm I'm just assuming Philly mostly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What, um, what part of town? It was pretty balanced, man. I was, yeah. Philly and Jersey was pretty balanced. Yeah. Uh, I'm based in Philly, and like. It's been more. I I haven't really been back in. I haven't lived in Jersey since I was like a young, right, right, teen. Yeah. So, and then I've just been based in Philly since I got old enough to like really be living on my own and all that. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people just mostly associate me with Philly at this point. Is that what feels like home for you as well? It's the it's the main place that feels like home because Jersey was just me moving to a different town like every few years. Philly was the only stationary like, place. Yeah, yeah, stable, stable or whatever. Yeah, and then, you yeah. know, I've had family and good people there the whole yeah. time, so, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I ain't go to, uh, I ain't go to, like, high school in Philly or... Oh, you or, didn't? Yeah, I never really went to school in Philly like that. So, being that you were having to move around a bunch, were you, were you quick to make friends or was it always like, oh, fuck, now I gotta make friends again? I mean, yeah, I would just be there <laughs> and then just... I guess what I'm saying is, like, were you a loner or were you, like, Mr. Sociable? What was it? Uh, it was like a balance of both, I feel like. Yeah. I just, I would just make do. I don't know. I don't really know the right words. It was just like I would just get there and then I'd be down the link with who was down the link. And I always had friends wherever I went, though. Yeah. I just learned to, like, you know, just be cool, adapt. I'm, I've never really been afraid to be social, so. There you go. Were you an athlete as a kid? Would yeah. you go to a new school and be like, all right, I'm going to go hoop or I'm going to go be on the baseball team or whatever? Nah, I was real into hooping. Yeah. Um, but it was more on the street ball shit. Okay. And, uh, yeah, I used to be one of them court rats. Like, I would. Actually, you've been to, uh, you been to Pats and Geno's, you said. Mm-hmm. For the record, fuck Geno's because <laughs> he has a big history of being like openly racist. Oh, word. And anti-immigrant, which makes no sense because he's Italian, mm-hmm. but whatever. <laughs> Italians um, be like that sometimes. And actually, I wanted to mention this before. Pats is the inventor of the cheesesteak. Okay. So, like, if you're going to do the, you know, they usually say Pats and Geno's are like the two most famous in the city. Yeah. Like if so a lot of people end up there just on some tourist tour mm-hmm, shit. Mm-hmm. And you know, for anybody out there who ends up at one of those two, don't go to Geno's. Go to Pats. Go to Pats because then you're tasting the original cheese mm. You know, and LA has a thing like that too where the French dip was invented here. Yeah. And people argue about whether it was um this place downtown called Coles or this place over in Chinatown called Philippe's. Mm. It turns out that Felice was the real inventor of the oh. fucking French dip. Yeah. And they're still there. It's like a hundred and something year old restaurant. That's the trick. And they got good ass pie. Yeah, Gino's <laughs> I don't know, he just seemed like an asshole. It's like he, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like he opened up across the street from the inventors of the cheese thing right. and then just made this obnoxiously neon huge neon sign yeah and it's like he got all these Harley bikes and choppers outside and he yeah. loves the cops and mm. he puts poli- like he took all the celebrity pictures cause you know a lot of them places they'll put up pictures yeah. of celebrities who came through mm-hmm. that's what it used to be on the outside now it's just all police badges oh like, he's just a weirdo yeah. man I don't, I don't fuck with him <laughs> <laughs> I just like, don't fuck with that. He's business. like a Blue Lives Matter type. Real, just just Blue Lives. Yeah. You better speak English well if you come to my counter. Like, get out of here, That's dog. Wild. Uh, we rock with Pats. What were you gonna say? There's some. Go there's some. There's, a, there's some. There's some courts right over there. 
Yeah, I was I was gonna say if you uh, recognize them courts, yeah, across the street that's from uh, passing Geno's, that's my old neighborhood. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I was there like all the time, yeah. and a bunch of other different courts around the city. But like, I was just one of them kids. I wake up 10 a.m. and then wouldn't come back till like it was dark. Yeah, curfew and all that. Hop on a bike and just be biking around the yeah. city. Not wake up at ten, but like yeah. be at the court by like ten a.m. and then rock till it's dark. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's tight. Uh, that seems like a wholesome way to stay in shape as a child. Yeah, you know, Philly's real in the basketball and street ball. Yeah, and right. I grew up in the AI era and the N one mixtape era. Yeah, I used to collect like the N one mixtapes and all that. So, right, the the vintage Iversons. <laughs> yeah, I got. It. I still got a lot of vintage Iverson merch. Man, my brother still has his. They don't fit, but we, we, I seen him at the house last time I was there. Uh, the old, the first Iversons, the what was it? The questions. Yeah, Whew. yeah. They re-released them. I don't think times, he ever. I don't think he ever bought the new ones, but he had the old ones from when he was in like sixth grade or something. I love shit. the Those questions. Are sick. Yeah. The questions are super hard. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people, their mind just jumps to the answers. The answer, yeah. But and the answers are fire. Like, mm-hmm. The fives, <laughs> the fours, like all that. But uh. Yeah, what's it like being growing up there like during the Allen Iverson era? I mean, that full changed the NBA. Yo, to the point where it's just like Kobe's actually from Philly. Yeah. And I didn't fuck with Kobe at all right. growing up. I was AI. Kobe was the enemy because he's playing for LA. And yeah, right. he, you know, we, we went to war in the 2000, 2001 finals and yeah. all that. But like, yeah, that was the time, man. It was it was pretty it was pretty exciting to watch sports during that time in Philly and just watch him play mm-hmm. and just be a part of the whole culture, you know. And it, you know, to the point it was like I didn't really care about Jordans or nothing. I cared about getting the AIs, <laughs> like, right? The new answers, getting you know, getting getting new jerseys that came out at Mitchell because Mitchell and Ness is actually based in Philadelphia too. Oh, okay, so. You know, going to the Mitchell and Ness store, trying to get the new, you know, AI jersey that came out or, like, whatever, throwback. It's so wild because it's extra rare for somebody to not in, not only influence, like, the way the game is played, but also the way people dress playing the game and the way people dress, like, off the court. Yo, Trailblazer, I mean, he took, he says that all the time. He's like, I took the heat so everybody could be able to like wear tats and he walks you know, so everybody else could run. Dog. And all. Exactly, yeah. man. That's, yeah, that's so real. Yeah, I mean, dude, tattoos was like not a thing in the NBA before him. And now everybody's covered. The most, Pulling up to the game in like, you know, your street clothes and yep. all that. Mm-hmm. He was all about that. Yeah, the just the, the wave cap on, all mm-hmm. that. What an icon. You ever see him around the city when you were a kid? Uh, like not really, not like nah, that. You yeah. Know. He plus the places he would be at, like other than like you know he might do like some promo events for like right. the children or yeah. whatnot, or like you know see him at a game or some something like that. But uh, most of the places he would be, at would probably be like the club and all that. I wasn't old enough to be right. up there. Right. Um. How how was school? Did you did you like school? Graduated? Did you have college plans? What was up with that? School was art. That wasn't really my shit. That wasn't your shit? Would you skip or anything? <sighs> yeah, I got... I mean, that's actually what uh, made me have to go to upstate New York after a while because uh, there was some years, probably around the time I was like 14, 15, and uh, yeah, 
I was getting into it. Just getting, <laughs> just getting in trouble. Oh yeah, I was, I was out. I was in the streets. Yeah, I was, I was doing and, hood rat shit with my friends. Right. <laughs> and so, what do do mom and dad get together and like, yeah, all right, look, it's time for you to get your shit together. Nah, I mean they've been split up since I was young, so mm-hmm. it was mostly mom Dukes. She was like, okay, it's time for you to like, she have uh, a timeout. Nah, yo, she uh, she she had been dating somebody. Yeah. Um, and then. You know, they saw me getting in trouble and all this stuff, and then they basically was like, yo, uh, you know, I could provide space and blah, blah, blah. Like, why don't y'all come live with me in New York, get yeah. a new start? And then that's really what happened. Like, I just went with her. I was forced to go here and right. live with her and her her, her partner up, yeah. uh, up in upstate New York. Did you fuck with them, though? Did you like them? Was it okay? They was cool. Yeah, it was all right. Yeah. And what was upstate like? Was there any kind of uh, culture shock, or was it just? They like was a, weird, though. Yeah, um, yeah, that was a culture shock. You know? I was like, I was deep in the woods. Yeah, <laughs> it wasn't the city no more. No, it was not the city. I was like real deep in the woods. Like actually, like end of a dirt road. The rest of the cribs was trailers. No way. Nah, real rap. I like really lived in the Catskill Mountains. People don't know about. Some people know. I've said that in a couple of interviews, but like close well, ones know. What was that like? Man, it was just, I went from the hood to the woods. Man. Did you hate it? It was crazy. Or were you fucking with it? I learned to love it. I was going to say, at the time, you probably hated it, but oh, maybe you man. could. I maybe... was just like, what am I doing? And it just felt dangerous. You know, a lot of the trailers, one of the trailers next to us like had a Confederate flag hanging. And I'm just like, yo, you wasn't thinking about none of this when you moved us? Right. Up here? Right. I was like, you putting us in danger. Like That's like the kind of place with like gun racks on the back of the truck and shit. Yeah, my oh. dudes could be stubborn though. Like, yeah, well, what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. I'm just like, nah, I was not trying to. I was not trying to be around that energy like that. But and so you started going to high school. You got enrolled in high school up there then. Yeah. And what was that school like compared to the previous school that you were at? Is that like sociologically? Was it all white people? I guess is what I'm asking. My, the, yeah, by a vast majority. Yeah, was, it was that cr- trash? Was that crazy? Um. Nah, cause there was enough. There, so it was like a central high school. Uh-huh. So there was like this one time where there's still a lot of black and Latino kids, mm-hmm. mostly like part of families who were originally from New York, and then their parents was like, "Yeah, fuck New York in the '80s and '90s. We moving upstate mm-hmm. and <laughs> trying to like build a better life mm-hmm. for our children." And so there are those children, mm-hmm. and they so there is like black and Latino people all throughout like upstate New York. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, shit, Griselda's from Buffalo. I never expected that energy from Buffalo. For real. Yeah, what's interesting, though, is that I've only been to Buffalo once, and I, when I went there, I went, I'm amazed that there's not, like, a, a dope rap group from here because there's so many places to shoot grimy videos, bro. Yo, man, I didn't even really know there was, like, places like that in upstate New York. Like Buffalo has fallen apart, dog, when I was there. There's, like, so many abandoned brick buildings and shit. Yeah, I and lived, I was like, everything looks like a movie set. Yeah, I was like, well, it's not that far off from the areas I saw. Yeah. Growing up, but it was still surprising. But it yeah. was like, uh, I I didn't live near, nowhere near Buffalo. More right. near, like, uh, Newburgh, Poughkeepsie okay. areas, Middletown, New York. Shout out areas. Griselda, though. Goddamn, they are... That whole clique is killing it right now. Um, Facts. Did 
moving up to the Catskills get you back on track? Did it get you out out of trouble being away from yeah, the hood rat shit? As yeah, you say? It, just, it just made me completely a loner. And yeah, like, I would just uh, there was no one really that I wanted to kick it with like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of my time was just spent um, being dolo, mm-hmm. um, either on the internet um, or like out in the woods by myself like exploring the trails and like just getting to know the nature around can I tell you about like my listener bias when I listen to your records right I would picture you as a loner dolo type that would yeah. like have headphones on that's me uh, lost in whatever fucking you were listening to at the wow. time was that yeah. how you were completely really like, I was the kid with the headphones that's really funny like if you ask cause most of the time I'm wrong about like my listener when I listen to somebody I picture them in my head I'm usually pretty far off but it's yeah. funny to hear that like that's what it is yeah it was it, it was crazy cause I went from being you know the kid one of the kids who was always like in ISS detention always getting in trouble mm. and then yeah you know when I my first year up there there was definitely some spillover where I was just like who are these fucking country ass mm-hmm. hick rednecks and who are these teachers trying to talk to me some type of way? Like, I was like, y'all don't know me, you know my story, I don't mess with none of y'all like that. So there was like a little spillover energy from that. But then, like, you know, as time went on and I was just spending more and more time alone and realizing like none of that stuff matters mm-hmm. other than my own like personal peace, you know, I just became that kid who. Mostly got in trouble for rocking headphones in school. Like, I just, I always had, like, the big headphones like we wearing right now. Yeah, the over-ear joints. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I would just wear big headphones and just zone out. When I, Plugged into, like, a Walkman or an iPod or something? Mm-hmm. Uh, iPod, probably. I'm old, so I say Walkman. Yeah, but, iPod. Yeah, and so, what was in the headphones at the time? <laughs> um, Raps-wise, man, Dipset. Oh yeah, all the Dipset mixtape stuff, all the Diplomats, Max B. Yeah, shout out Max B, very influential on me. Uh, you know all the stuff still going on in Philly, like with the with the state property mm-hmm. stuff, mm-hmm. Um, the Philly YouTube stuff. I would like find rips online and just download them into my iPod and, like, run those back. Educate me on that. Was that, like, Cassidy? Like, old Cassidy shit or something? Nah, like, like street there was a Yeah, yeah, it was an era. Um, I feel like Philly's mostly known for this, but, you know, it was definitely cats doing their thing in Jersey and mm-hmm. some surrounding areas. But, like, Philly's kind of, like, the main place. I feel like that's recognized for, like, the DVD era. Like yeah. smack, DVD, smack DVD, too raw for the streets and other other platforms like that. Yeah. Um, where yeah, it was just like videos of cats on the street freestyling, um, doing like verses over beats, right? Playing out a car or like out of a boombox on the block or something, and then just like barring off or like uh battles, yeah, and stuff. And I was that 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 stuff is the the content that really got me like into, like, rapping, rapping, like, trying to be more serious with rapping. Yeah. Is that when you start writing raps? Is it in high school? Or was it before? I that? wrote my first rhyme in 99, okay. which I said, actually, on one of the songs. Yeah. Uh, on Lo and Behold. Uh-huh. Bright Kid, produced by Jacob Rochester. Shout out. Shameless plug. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, Yeah, I wrote my first rhyme when I was nine, and I was talking to the homie, and he was like... I, I, I spit it for the homie. He saw me writing on a piece of paper, and he was like, I can see. And I was like... Alright. Then he read it, he just looked at it, he was like, You corny. <laughs> 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 he 
He was like, it's John Week. But he was, that's my man's though. So he was just yeah. being real. He was like, he read it. Yeah. He was taking his time reading it, kind of saying it. Like, and then he was like, looked up about the paper, like, you corny. That's funny. And then dad me up. He was like, you my man's though. <laughs> and then I just ain't really, I was like, yeah, you right. This John is corny. Yeah. And then I just ain't really take it serious or like really be rapping like that until yeah I was about 14 or 15 yeah and what does that look like when you're 14 and 15 do you just have like a laptop you're trying to experiment on or something or do you get nah some kind of hard work for laptop you, yeah <laughs> what, what did you what did you do like you just rapping with your friends laptops out in 04 yeah yeah I mean I had a laptop uh, for college at that point oh okay yeah, for sure yeah uh, nah <laughs> yeah one, but they were hard to come by yeah definitely yeah we had one dusty ass Dell computer in the living room that uh, I was able to use in shifts. Yeah. Oh, and then actually when we moved upstate, my mom's to make me feel better, let me have a computer in my room. Oh, nice. Because I had nothing else to do. And it was like a Windows computer? Yeah. And so would you have uh, Fruity Loops? I didn't even make beats back then. Oh. I was just rapping. So did you have like Cool Edit or something? Um, Acid Pro? I don't remember the, the uh, recording program I yeah. had, but I, yeah, I had a little thing I was using. And uh, had a little mic in a preface. And so you would just, what, like be downloading bootleg beats and rapping over those or what? Eventually, but like my first year or so up there, I was really just zoning out, listening yeah. to music. And That's cool. Chilling. Yeah. yeah. Did you meet anybody up there that rapped? Did you have any like cohorts that helped you or that like kind of guided <laughs> you on the path? <laughs> Nobody that I was a fan of, no. No. Nah. No disrespect yeah. if any of them are listening, but... Y'all was not my steeds back then. <laughs> it was a lot of white boys from the mountains trying to rap or like... Like Eminem or something? I don't know what, because yeah. I wasn't listening to them. Like, sometimes I'd see them, like, out outside the cafeteria trying to do cyphers, and I wouldn't even... I wouldn't even step up in those. I wasn't oh, even trying shit. to listen. That's funny. I was. I mean, yeah, that was part of the feeling of me. I was like, what y'all got the rap about up here anyway? Like, <laughs> get out of here, bro. <laughs> <laughs> It's funny because that would have been me in one of those, and, I, and like you're right, you're absolutely right. But um, <laughs> that's that's comedy. So you graduate from high school in the in the Catskills. Yep. And then what? What what were your plans? During that time, uh, one of the things because my music became like, or just music in general became like one of my main escape tools. Uh, I realized like I was real interested in like getting better at mixing and engineering. And so me and Mob Dukes were, like, looking in the phone book or, like, maybe use the internet. I don't remember. One of those. But we were looking for stu recording studios in the area. And then we just literally called a bunch of random recording studios and then asked if, like, they were, like, were looking for mentors. Like, yeah, uh, interns. Interns yeah. or, like, looking for... Uh, just protégés or whatever. Yeah. Somebody, uh, can I come and get your coffee for a couple months and then you teach me what's going on here? Yeah, or really we posed it like there was this uh, program at the school called Purchase College yeah. that I ended up going to. Um, and in order to get in to the studio production program, you had to like mix a three, you had to like mix a three song little EP. Mm -hmm. And uh, also like, one of the songs had to be a live recording. And, you know what I'm saying? Like, mm -hmm. I, you had to do all this stuff. And I was like, I don't know, do none of that. So mm -hmm. someone, you know, we were trying to find anybody who would be able to teach me that stuff. And we found this one cat out in uh, Port Jervis, New York, which was like, for us, that was like a 40-minute, 40 45-minute drive. Mm -hmm. 
but she would she would make that push, drive me out there just so I could like, you know, be in the studio with this cat. And yeah, we met him and he was real cool, took me on. He was like a metal dude though. Yeah. He wasn't really in the rap. He was like but that's why it was such a cool experience because he's in there like tracking like, you know, six or seven piece bands. Yeah. And showing me how to like mic drums and bass guitars and all these things up and the difference between going live and going indirect and he's teaching me about EQs and he had this huge board, so I learned like on a board. On S- like on an SSL or something. Yeah, and like That's all his dope. mastering equipment was like analog. So yeah. I was just able to play with all that and like really learn the basics. That's dope. How long were you doing that for? Man, probably like a year or two. That's and then and then I Recorded that demo for the college, and yeah. uh, they accepted me, but put me on the wait list, mm. which was like trash. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I had got accepted for something else at the same school because mm-hmm. I was just rocking with that school. Mm-hmm. And then I just ended up going for that, and then sociology. Yeah, and my mother's footsteps. So- <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> and uh, then I was just doing yeah, like classes on how to be a community organizer and social worker. And, Did you like sociology? Uh, taking music, taking music classes on the side. Yeah. Did you like sociology? Yeah, you know, I, I wanted to trade back that education just because of the uh, world view and world understanding it gave me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I I get no bread from that fucking degree. That was uh, right. <laughs> I but- just left with debt and a lot of like. Good perspective and experience. I took a lot of like sociology classes. And how to classes. apply for grants and oh, all that type right. of stuff. Like I took a lot of sociology classes on some like I just found it interesting. Like I think if there's a uh, way that easily kind of like defines the world for me or like uh, clarifies my viewpoint, it's through like a sociological perspective. Yo, I, I guess mean, that like, gave me my whole. That gave me my whole. Uh, that helped crack the code for me. Like you know. All the different forms of, like, discrimination and, like, inequities I was, like, seeing growing up and going through myself growing up, I Mm -hmm. finally had, like, I finally was able to, like, figure out the roots of it and have language to, like, you know. It kind of, like, contextualizes statistics for you. It's like, here are these statistics and here's the historical references as to why these statistics are that way Mm -hmm. or something. You know what I mean? And just, like, you know, the sociology of, like, history and how history is written and recorded and how so much has been you know, revised and made with... Misinterpreted and... Exactly, so... Whitewashed, realistically. Yeah, in yeah. America, definitely whitewashed, yeah. you know. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, it just gave me, the, gave me the language to be able to, like, understand the world I'm in and address it better. So I would never trade none of that back. You think you apply that to your music? Yeah, I yeah. apply that to everything, everything. I do. Everything yeah. I do. Every, you know, freelance artist. Um, but, like, yeah, that, that, that education helped me, you know, really find my way. In the world, for sure. And so you're taking the sociology courses and the music courses at the same time? Yeah. Do you end up graduating and, like, shifting over more to the music, or do you get a sociology? Nah, man. Uh, it was more difficult than I thought yeah. trying to get into the music program. Really, what I should have did was just took that L mm-hmm. and then waited till the next semester until, like, I might have got accepted. Mm-hmm. But I really was, like, I just was sick of that. I was sick of the Catskills. I had to get out of there, man. Do you graduate from Purchase? Yeah. Where did you go after that? Went to Philly. Yeah, back home. Um, uh, Because in that time, 
Mom Dukes went back towards the Philly area. Okay. And uh, and they like split up with that that person we was living up in the Catskills. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I uh, went back to Philly, and uh, yeah, I went back there, tried to make it work. Six months, kind of dry. Couldn't really find no work. Mm-hmm. It was like during it was like during a time where like the unemployment rate was like almost nineteen percent or something. Right, like that recession period. Yeah, it yeah. was like, and you know, Philly's like always been like a real working class, economically struggling city for right. a minute. So, um, yeah, I was just caught up in that wave, and then uh, I found a job through a friend in New York, and uh, it was trash, but. It was money, so I just went out there, and then I was just stacking up money, and my plan was to move to New York, and I was still doing my music. I had, like, my first music tape out yeah, officially, because uh-huh. before then, people only really knew me for, like, seeing me in ciphers and freestyling, okay. which I started doing a lot more again, like, once I was in that, uh, once I was, like, at purchase and like going into New York City again and linking up with homies I had made online. When there wasn't so many white people in the cipher. <laughs> Facts. <laughs> linking up with my Dominicans and my black people right. and shit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and yeah. rapping with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, yeah, I had my first little piece of music floating around online. And uh, somebody in LA caught wind of it, like a friend of mine I had from the internet, they caught wind of it and was playing it to their homies. Out here, mm-hmm. and then one of their homies owned this magazine in Long Beach called Ill Society Magazine. Yeah, and they was rocking with me. They liked the sound, and mm-hmm. then the dude, shout out Jay, he was like, "Yo, um, how's your music doing in the East?" I was like, "It's cool. People not really understanding it because it was like real weird and more like on some like left field beats mm-hmm. as far as like, I mean, it sounds Philly or New York was going at that time. It sounds like." What was happening on the West Coast? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean. It totally wasn't. That's yeah. who I was listening to. Yeah, you know, like uh, during that high school time, like yeah, at first I was still just on like you know the more street rap stuff. But as I started getting into like engineering and like learning the art of DJing and all that stuff, and like really looking into that, you know, that's when I was like finding out about. Um, Mad Lib and Dilla and, like, yeah. the history behind them and then yeah. realized, like, wow, they had produced a bunch of songs I already liked and I didn't know who it was. Now right. I know. You know, and that's around, like, age 14, 15. So um, I was just getting real deep into that and, like, the whole record digging thing. And that, those were my hobbies. Like, that's what kept me sane in Upstate. Like, um, so, like, I just, uh, I don't know. I guess that's 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 the sound that was coming out, like you know, just just that, just the remnants of like all the more East Coast rap stuff I grew up on, and then merging it with a lot of that left field yeah. West Coast steez I well, was getting into. And because at that time, what was happening in L.A. in the rap scene was like a huge kind of like Dilla Detroit influence mm-hmm. mixed with that Mad Lib influence. Yeah, that all begat the whole, like, low-end theory beat scene, really. And so then you got all all those dudes, like, fly low, running with that and taking it into outer space. You know what I'm saying? After one one, um, was really the main cat who put me onto that West Coast stuff that got me obsessed with it. That's crazy, man. You want to know when I met after one? When he was fucking 16. (laughs) Yo, man, uh, 
I remember when Afterthoughts dropped on MySpace Music because I had friends on MySpace Music yeah. that they dug some of the music I was posting and they found me on through that and it was based out here in the West. And uh, one of them had like After One on their page and I was like, what is yeah. this? That's and I was wild. like 15, 16. And they were like, yo, this is After One. It's my friend. Yeah, I, so After One... Back, this is back in yo, bro. I'm talking like 2003, 2004. After and then the, this dude Speak, who used to be in a group with After. Yo, shout out Speak. Yeah, shout out um, Speak. Those are my homies. Long, long time. Ago. I met him for the first time in a studio session with Fat Tony like a year or yeah. so ago. Yeah, two. But I'm one of my uh, closest friends is a uh, Nico Gray, who's oh. she's part of. Oh yeah, she's that on the record. Yeah yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So I I, I go back. A long time with all them. So they, they uh, I was living in Santa Barbara before I moved to LA because that's where I went to school at. And so we were all trying to like road trip up to the bay for some battle event thing. And after and speak, hop, I'd never met them before, but we just knew each other online or whatever. And they all hopped in the whip and we went to fucking. That's crazy. Yeah, History, they man. they were like seventeen, sixteen, something like that. Uh, and I was like twenty, twenty one. You know. Yeah, I was really uh, once I got put on. Um, by that online friend on the after one, I started digging into that whole scene, and then I followed them up until they started doing the whole triangle circle, yeah, triangle square collective, or with yeah. Imani Wadi, and like it was after one, deaf, deaf sound, and, uh, Nico, yeah, and I was a, I was just a young kid out in Philly, right, like just a fan of them from afar, That's and uh, like yeah, I would, I would say. Them and uh, yeah, f- you know, Flalo and um, DiBiase. Oh yeah, DiBiase. And, uh, you know, Ross G. Yeah, and uh, Rap Wise Zero. I was that. I was gonna say Zero, but I was like. You know the shit that like I love Zero, dog. He, mm-hmm. he he done the show and like Z's one of the best rappers I, on the. I'm on the such planet. a huge fan, he's dog. One of the best I like, on the yeah, I gotta keep it cool when I see him because he's, he's so good. I the fact that that's my bro, yeah, is still crazy to me. Right, like, the universe just wanted us to be friends because like he's one of the main like West Coast rappers. Yeah, as far as my steez went. Yeah, when I was like still like. You know, coming up and developing my own steeds was like he was one of my favorites, just because he was just so insane. Well, because instantly when you were I, when I if we go back ten minutes in this convo when I said you know it sounded like what was happening on the West Coast, I was gonna mm-hmm. say like it reminds me of Zero, kind of you know what I'm saying. Okay. But I didn't, but I look at him as a peer of yours, and yeah. I didn't want to be like you know he must be one of your influences. But like, but, I wish bro, I could rap hats. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> Dog, he Yo. is the most acrobatic mother. Oh man, he's. I'll be so trying tight. to catch up to Z for my whole life, probably. Bro. It's it is wild to me. Like, he's gonna, and he'll always tell me like it ain't about catching up, it's just about being you. Being you, yeah. He's gonna nah, say some like, deep just, shit to you. Just on the art of yeah. rap and language and putting it in rhythm and Mother everything, level. man. He be singing. He be. Oh, that's what I'm saying. He and he, not he R&B can sing like a damn choir boy too. Like can. that's the thing. He got a great voice and yeah, his um. His yeah, rap's like not that new R&B that type of thing. Like he got these melodies when he raps that is like these un un no man unhinged melodies. Yeah, it's like jazz gospel. Yeah, like, right. Cr- church man. Yeah, I mean it's Zero should like be church. a fucking bazillionaire off the rap skills. Like he you should know, be. People will catch up in fifteen years. He's an icon of me. Yeah, so right. Just just yeah. Whatever. Anyway, I, I love showing love to my homies. Man. Absolutely. Same with Nico Gray. Like you being hurt. Became friends later just through 
natural mutual friends. Turned out she was from Philly. She got family in Philly. Yeah. And uh, the rest is history. We just been, we, we, we built like a good friendship and real close. You know what I'm saying? I'm real cool with her family in Philly and she's real cool with me yeah. and mine. So that's like, like that, even that still, like we was just having a conversation the other day. I was like, yo, like, yeah, we like we bro and sis now, but when I was young, like, Man, I used to Fan. really look up to yeah. you and like After One and like Z and all yeah. these cats. Like I was a fan. You know what I mean? Like so You lose perspective on that kind of shit when you grow up around it because like being that I met after and speak and Nico I, I was like always a few years older than them. Yeah. I always looked at After, like, oh that's the little homie. And then I f- don't see him. I barely ever see this dude, but then I forget like, oh, he grew on he went on to be the big homie that like he influenced a ton of people, you know, and I and I always like trip out because I'm like, oh, that's just, this is who again after yeah, I'm I'm always like that's this this that's this kid that had a giant afro that hopped in my car when he was sixteen yo, one time, I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like it's wild. He grew on to be this big influential thing. Yo, yeah. real rap. I mean, I've always kind of said this like when I speak to a lot of people from the East Coast about what put them on to like the more modern. West yeah. Coast, like, quote-unquote, beat mm. sound. Mm. Um, a lot of people say, fly low. Fly mm. low, fly low, fly low. And I'm like, yo, after one was my fly low then. Yeah. That's what we're talking about. But like, I think DiBiase was probably mine, yeah. but fly low was right there, too. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and that doesn't, that's not comparing their skill or their right. they gift, like, because none of them are comparable. They all make, yeah. they all make, different unique kind of music so i don't and i'm, I'm not really in a rank right like, no absolutely. i don't like ranking artists I, that shit the is thing that always spoke to me about db's music was just like he would make the snares dance where yeah. they were like it was that on beat off beat we used to call it on nah, beat off beat because it was like the die. snares were they were on beat they were keeping a beat but they were just off just that little bit that made you kind of go "Ooh, yuck that's so dope like and just bringing in the uh glitch sounds yeah. and the distortion and mm-hmm. video game samples yep. i loved him and ross g for oh, like bringing in like the glitchy distorted yeah just turning the bass up to the red type yeah. of vibe like and, yeah and then and then just like you said the video games it's like it's like bringing in this eclectic pop culture reference to the music almost yeah. you know my my main point was yeah, like well, yo, I forget uh, what we were talking about oh nah my main point just with the after one statement saying like that's my fly lows just like, I just feel like his name should be mentioned a yeah. lot more with a lot of the big names that I mentioned you yeah, know what I'm right. saying and DB I say like a lot of these cats Ross G yeah you know what I'm saying yeah it's an interesting thing about the underground shit and and being, you know, staying true to yourself and staying honorable is that like Doc Kim, shout out Doc Kim, I was a big fan of him too. <laughs> you remained hugely influential to a small sect of society, but you go underappreciated for what you've done. You know what I'm saying? In the yeah. grand scheme. And yeah, that's a happens. shame. It happens. Yeah. Everyone that we just talked about has all made legendary records that they are going to be discovered for years and, years upon years and looked back at as like classic fucking jazz albums. Yo, know? man. And you know what? Uh, I was actually just talking about this with the homie Pink Sifu. Uh, that's, that's really what it is. Because it's like, yo, there's music that I still find that's new to me. New to me now in 2020. Mm-hmm. But it came out like the 60s or... Oh yeah, the 70s like I'm always finding new stuff Every from day. way back yeah and so like that's really what it is and, it, and you know and that stuff is very dope and influences me in a lot of crazy ways and gives me all types of new ideas and yeah. you know helps make me feel all types of new things I might have not heard before you know or feel felt before so like it's really just when I say 
a lot of the cats I found myself aligned with, like remember we was talking about that earlier yeah. in the other room. A lot of cats I found myself I found myself aligned with put the music first, and that's really all it's about is like just adding on to the the just the world canon of music. Like you know, people you just. Yeah, some of my favorite, most influential records were just, like, obscure records from, like, Jamaica in, like, 85, like, you know? Mm -hmm. So maybe my record might be that for somebody, like, this obscure rap record that came out in 2020. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And if I never get a huge name or whatever, it don't matter because hopefully someone stumbles across it and it keeps the it keeps the tradition going. Let me ask you about your record being obscure. Was it a conscientious choice to only have it on Bandcamp for the time being? Um, nah, man, it just worked out like that. Uh, I, I, uh, that record came together like kind of on a whim. Really? Like, yeah. Over... It's that's wild because it's so concentrated. Like that is an album. Yeah. That's not a. It's not a, like a some jumbled together shit. Like that sounds like an album to me. Yeah. You know I, what I mean? And you know, anything I put out, I'm always gonna try and curate it to play yeah. like that. Yeah. The best I can. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And that just comes from my like, um always being obsessed with like different DJs and like I grew up listening to mixes a lot yeah. so like just how transitions and all that stuff happens like I've always tried to like incorporate that into my music and make everything just be cohesive and smooth as possible transition wise well so tell then how did it just come together like you you had to be conscientiously working towards that end product no it seems like a real statement to me um yeah i mean yeah when i say it came together on a whim it doesn't mean like I didn't have a focused effort mm -hmm. into that final project, product. Um, but, like, it just kind of, it wasn't expected, me making that. Because mm -hmm. I'm working on a bunch of other stuff right now that's going to come out, you know, later this year and throughout the next whatever. I don't know. Time is whatever. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but uh, this just came together this past, like, spring and summer into the fall. I was originally trying to drop it in the fall, but it, it, it was just, I was just going through a lot of stuff and uh, messing around with different loops and different instrumentals that people had given me. And, uh, you know, that I just, like, stuff just started coming out. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, stuff that was, like, real relevant to what I was going on, what I was going through. And um, I just let them fly. Like, there was a a lot of those tracks that got freestyled out on that on that record mm -hmm. on this record, mm -hmm. um, like a good amount of like probably more than half of them weren't even written. Really? Yeah. Would you just kind of like bleed for a little bit and then go back and touch it up, or just let it stand how it was? Some. Yeah. Let them stand, and then others like you know, I like freestyle a verse out and then go back and edit it. Yeah, and then freestyle another verse out, go back and edit it. Yeah, right. And that's, right. But none of them got. I would just edit it by recording it. Yeah, and then some like I recorded them like every few lines. Yeah, like you know, freestyle a few lines out. Mm -hmm. Listen back, step back up to the mic, freestyle some more. That one, the joint that Alex produced, mm -hmm. Alexander Spit produced. I feel like that's one of those ones. Real like, there's this one section at the end that just feels very free to me, where you like step back for a sec. And then you step up like, Alexander Spit threw me up ahead. And, I, and I'm just like, I could just see him kind of like taking a break and coming back like, oh yeah, I just thought of this. Oh, yo, actually, you know that one, yeah. that one, you know what? Yeah. That one, I think I freestyled like half of that drawn out and then like I had to do something yeah. when I was first working on it. So I just like, 
left it. Mm-hmm. And then the next time I went back to it, I was in uh, my friend's kitchen mm-hmm. um, with my laptop and headphones and uh, just messing around with loops and all that stuff. They was like cooking. Mm-hmm. And I was just chilling in the kitchen with them. And uh, I actually happened to have my interface and mic on me right then. And uh, I was like going through different sessions on my computer. And then I, I, I opened that one back up. And I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. And then so I just played it back. And then the rest just came to me right then and there. Like, and I was just spinning it until like I had what I was going to say, kind of like memorized in my head. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, I just sat at the kitchen table with the mic mm-hmm. and like... I didn't even have a proper spit screen. Like, I think I tied my do-rag over the mic. <laughs> yeah. And then I just recorded that verse, like, right there, sitting yeah, at the kitchen right. table. That's a true story. I just, I love the record, man. I think, like I said, the thing that I love about, you know, the scene that you're involved with in general is just, like, it's a collective of old souls. Facts. You know what I mean? Feels very uh, intertwined. Everything purposely. feels intertwined. Everything feels purposeful. That's that's very purposely true. by the universe. Yeah, some of these connections. I'm just like, yeah, I had no saying this. Like the universe wanted me to link with these people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You guys found a lot, a big group of kindred spirits. It feels like, and so, and, and I just feel this energy that I haven't felt in like underground rap, I guess, in a while. And everything's cyclical. You know what I'm saying? And so, the thing that I love about it is just like. Selfishly, it reminds me of a, a scene that I used to be involved with like 10, 12 years ago. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like, where it's a group of friends that clearly like just feed off each other's creativity and creative energy, and also like all their music sounds kind of cohesive together, you know? And so that's like you and, mm. and Pink Sifu and Maxo and all these dudes. Like, yeah, actually, yeah, I was just texting them. <laughs> Who's that? Maxo? Maxo was oh. just texting me trying yeah. to link up when I'm done with this. Yeah, shit. <laughs> like, I mean, like, yeah. So that whole little, like, I don't know, whatever, friend group, I guess, is really like... Uh, Shout out Maxo, little big man out. Yeah. Shout out Pink Seafood. Beautiful records. Ansley out. Yeah. A lot of other stuff out. Black Sand, Bag Talk. <laughs> you know, that that stuff has really um, taken up a lot of space in my headphones over the last year. And so I'm stoked to be able to, like, sit down man. and talk Shout to all out. you guys. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's beautiful, bro. Shout out, man. Yeah. you know, I feel like a lot of us are just dropping shit and, you know, whoever hears it, hears it. And we grateful for it. We just praying it touches people, you know? Yeah, and I mean, that's the thing. Anything that somebody like me could do to help... Get more ears on it. You know. I love doing this kind of shit, so. Yo, man. Yeah. And I think speaking about uh, you saying um, it reminded you of things you were involved with uh, back in the day. Yeah. Like, and that that's the thing that's so beautiful to me about it is, like, it's definitely brand new. And. Oh, yeah, absolutely. The approaches are, like, real futuristic in a lot of ways. Like, I don't know if you're familiar with, like, Akai solo. Yeah. Or, like, even how, how Mavi doing it. Like. Just, just the way they piecing together they, they lyrics and they writing mm-hmm. is very futuristic to me. It's like building on from that, from from the, from a lot of the greats, mm-hmm. and then just taking it to a new level. Um, Standing on the shoulder of giants. Yeah, you know what you I'm know? saying. And, and so, like at the same time that it feels so futuristic, it also feels very familiar and nostalgic to me. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's like so dope to be a part of. Because I'm like, yo. When I was young, I was always wishing I was old enough to be part of, like, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> the raucous scene or, like, the, right. you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, you know, any But that's any the thing, because the there's been time, I mean, there was a time where the raucous scene became, 
you know, that's like classic rock to some people, essentially, where it's like there's still people that are trying to ride that wave or sound that way. And this is not that to me. It's the same spirit, but it's more loose or something. Like, I don't know. I was talking to Sifu about it, talking to Maxo about it. Pink Sifu really put it really beautifully to me where he just said, yeah, we're just out here bleeding. We're just, we're just bleeding on the track. And that's no. what it is. And, and know, I that's just, what blessed means, actually. Mm. When you say blessed, it actually translates to bleed. I didn't know that. Yeah, so yeah. it's like, yeah, just bleed, man. And that's yeah. the thing that really stuck with me from that conversation where it's like, you guys' whole scene is bleeding, you know what I mean? And it feels loose. It feels, um, it doesn't feel forced. You know what I mean? And it doesn't feel structured, which I really love because I was always, I'm like an OCD rapper. And so I like think very mathematically about bars and uh, syllable placement and shit to a point where it drives me fucking nuts. It's like doing a crossword puzzle rather than writing sometimes. Mm -hmm. And when I listen to y'all, I'm like, oh, I wish I could just let go. Like y'all do sometimes You know what I mean Yo man Just do it yeah. man Fuck it yeah. You get what I'm saying though Tap right? in Yeah you get what I'm saying Yeah Yeah I love what you guys Are working on I'm gonna just leave it there I guess Yo that's love Yeah man. Tell the people Where to find you online Um, You can find me Underscore Loji Underscore um, Loji That's L-O-J-I-I Yes L-O-J-I-I Yeah. That's pretty much My handle everywhere Yep Um, My band camp is My rap name Dotbandcamp.com yeah, and Man. the the Bandcamp app is free. So, like, if you want to listen on your phone with the new record, I found that's the easiest way to yeah. do it. Download the Bandcamp app, look for him, and you can listen yeah. to it. I, or I, you could download it. You mm-hmm. can pay for that shit. Yeah, and uh, I, 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 I'm a, I, I make it a point to shout out the Bandcamp just because, uh, you know, that's, that's an independent platform that really, like... Supports artists. And gets us our bread, like, real fast. Yeah. Like, you know instant, what I'm saying? Like, I'm, yeah, yeah, I'm seeing that bread, like, within yeah. the next few days. So, like, you know, that I really dig that. Um, but for the record, lo and behold, just went live on all streaming platforms yesterday. Oh, all right, perfect. On Suave and Dilla's birthday. Okay, perfect. And I didn't plan that out either. No so. shit. That was dope. <laughs> well, that's dope. So there you go. You can listen to the new record on all your D- favorite DSPs, Spotify, right. Apple Music, all that shit. Mm-hmm. But yeah, man, give this dude a listen. I just think, lo and behold, is so dope. Thank is you. It very, that's the other thing is like, I love that y'all aren't, don't give a fuck about like song lengths either. It, like some mm-hmm. of the songs are like 45 seconds a minute and it's still effective. You know yeah. what I'm saying? I love that. It's just about the feeling. Yeah, it's the feeling. When it's done, it's done, right? Mm-hmm. A good poem is never finished, only forgotten. Wow. Uh, Who said that? That's some old... I don't know. It's like <laughs> you ne- said that for now. It's never, <laughs> no, it's never been like properly accredited, I think, but it's like some old... It's like a really old um, idiom or quote or whatever. I dig that one. That's a good one, yeah. right? But anyway, man, what's next um, for the rest of the year? I'm trying to um, put some nice visuals to this music I just let out. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I just worked out a little distribution deal, so everything's Amazing. everywhere streaming. Yep. Um, I'm working on getting physicals to come into this realm mm-hmm. for the new project, and then uh, what do people do for physicals nowadays? Just vinyl, or you like people don't make CDs anymore, do they? Yo, I love CDs because I grew up collecting CDs. So did I, and you know what? I sold them all, and I just thought of that the other day where I'm like, maybe I shouldn't have sold all my CDs. It's just hard to play them now because cars don't put you know? CD players in there anymore. And they were taking and, up a oh. lot of space at my house. But then I just replaced them with my dad's record collection, and that takes up even more space in my house. So, yeah. yeah um, anyway. Yeah, I, you know. Physicals. I've had uh, music on almost every platform, except like, uh, or in every format, except yeah. maybe um, 
I haven't had it on a USB. <laughs> or <laughs> like an 8-track. Or 8-track. Yeah. yeah, but, you know, my music's been on cassette. It's been on 7-inch. It's been on 12-inch. Uh, yeah. It's been on... Uh, CD. CD, yep. Yeah. You going to move out here? You going to stay in Philly? What you going to do? Right now, I'm in Philly. Um... But yeah, man, I'm also a global citizen. That's right. In my heart, so I'll be making moves. I'll be around. Yeah, man. Yeah, I'm trying to definitely be in LA more now. Yeah, it's a, there's a good creative energy out here. I don't know. I mean, yo, and just so much of the family is out here. So much gang out here. So That's I'm just, it. I'm just trying to like. It becomes be a meeting point more. for for people that people that meet on the internet from various places across the country. They mm-hmm. come out here, and it's kind of like the gathering point, you know. Yeah, man. So, anyway. I mean. uh Philly, Philly's always gonna, you know, be one of the bases for sure. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. Uh, I'm definitely, I'm definitely trying to make a lot more moves. Everybody, that was Loji underscore L O J I I. Find him across all platforms. Go listen to Lo and Behold, beautiful record that I really love. You guys know me. My name is Lee. Some of you might know me as Intuition. You can follow us as a unit at Kind of Neat and YouTube.com slash Kind of Neat, where you are gonna see Loji perform. What you perform? Between Hustles. Fantastic performance. Bless. Yes. And I think, I don't know, I think that's it. That's all the shout-outs to be shouted out. Thank you guys for tuning in. My name is Lee. That was Loji. And this was Kinda Neat. Bless. Thank you, Lee.